Billy went somewhere. He just didn't care about going up for reservation. He didn't think. And I thought he was sleeping. He wanted to go to sleep. So we went off without the prayer card. And there was nothing we could do about it. But the Holy Spirit just lined the people perfectly. And the dead, dumb, blind, crippled. I think it was about, Brother Brown told me some 30 visions had come forth, and I was still on my feet. And there was around, around 300 people come through the line, and I would say at least 100, 250 people definitely healed out of this. Oh, just the lovely flow of the Holy Spirit. They brought a little girl up, a little Indian girl, beautiful little thing, a little maid, and her eyes real black. And before, I got, before she got something to someone, I believe it was a missionary brother, Brother uh, Mitchell, said she's blind. And someone said down the line, she's blind. I see him lead her coming along and brought her in front of me. I prayed to our Heavenly Father for the child. And I raised my hand in front of her face, her big black staring eyes, just staring. So then I thought, poor little fellow had to go through life like that. I put my hand back on her and see my God let this sounds fanatically, but it, it's true. See my God left the earth and went before the throne of God. There was the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know the poor little Indian girl maybe couldn't understand English or know nothing how. So see my God, this God hold my faith of the blood of the Lord Jesus and presented it to her. In a few moments, I was back down, kneeling where I've been kneeling for a couple of three hours. And I had my finger right there in front of her eyes, and I moved it, her eyes were still blind. And I said, you said, whatsoever you ask, and just as I did that, my finger swayed and here, one of those lovely big black eyes moved me with the finger, and it was made perfectly normal. <laughs> so there was someone standing on the outside,
And I always thought, well, I'll go in and read a while. I was going out to preach. Everyone was trying to divide out. We wanted to visit every church that we could while we were in the city. Each one, we can't go to every Sunday school, so we just had to go to the ones wherever we could. And we were drawing straws at the bus, which you go here and there, five of us to divide up. So we finally, uh, something said to me, pick up the book. And it's a book that I write these and then when I was here fulfilled, I marked them off and put them up and tell the people. Now I picked it up and just thumbed it through there. And on the third day, I can bring it to you here and read it yourself if you wish to. On the third day of December, I was in Bennington, New York. And it got there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Billy was still asleep. I rose from the bed and went over to the window. And there God showed me, I'd forgotten about it, that in our meeting from one end to the other, I had all that on paper that was the Lord had already done. Oh my, that's a thrilling thing. How the Lord does those things. Way before they happen, He tells what's going to be done. Just like, isn't that marvelous? He can foretell or tell forth. He can tell what was, what is, and what will be. Marvelous. Just a few moments ago, walking in, there was a gentleman who came up, which was introduced to me, and standing there, the man must have had on his heart, never met him in my life. And I see him standing by a place where there was a table, and his wife had a black-headed woman thin. This was kind of a tall man, and the Holy Spirit moved over and told him, he said, you're suffering, sir, with all great coming. And he's sitting in the right at the door there. He's maybe someone in the building right now. He's sitting there. Some of us stand there. This is how the Lord Jesus and his loving and solid mercy will do things for us. It's beyond all we can think, isn't it? Now, this afternoon, I was going to speak on the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And I said maybe I would. I may have to postpone it for your duty. Or what I want to try to do in talking on this subject is to prove that the scientific world, the scientific second coming of Jesus, in this age, the age of living and when, I don't know. But I believe, now this is not the Lord telling me, just take it science plus the scripture, or the scripture plus science other, and prove that this generation, or the age that we're now living, looks to me like they're going to see the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Right hand. And I just haven't got enough information yet on the scientific side to produce it today. So I thought maybe we'd come down and just have a good overgrown Sunday school lesson. Then i got to preach again tonight and then have the healing services tonight. Would that be fine? We're ready to the Holy Spirit. Say one thing again, I want to clear what comes on my mind. A minister, or you have called up, got all the manager and so forth. About the other night when I made a remark, I'm sure that it was misunderstood, that about Adam and Eve, now it was said that, thought that I said that Adam had sinned. Adam was sinned and condemned and was driven from the garden of Eve by God. See? The redemptive role offering showed that. But what I said, that Adam sinned willfully. He, he was actually deceived. 
But Adam was not deceived. He deliberately sinned. See? Deliberately sinned knowing what he was doing because of his wife. He took positions with his wife. Then they went before God and both of them were condemned. And Jesus, not ignorant of what he was doing, came down and took his place with the sinner, the church that might redeem the church back to himself. See? See, God said it was a type. Adam was the, was, Christ is the second Adam. Or to first Adam all die, to second Adam all live. But the misunderstanding was they thought that I said that Adam never sinned. But Adam did sin. But he did it with his eyes wide open. And Timothy 3, it says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived in the transgression. Eve actually thought she was right. But Satan deceived her. But he didn't deceive Adam. He knew it was wrong. But because of the love for his wife, he represented himself with sin and was condemned by the saints and cast out of our disease. And Christ represented himself with the church for sin and was condemned and his soul went to hell. That's right. And God raised him up on the third day. Do you believe that? <laughs> it wasn't he did sin. He did sin. And Christ, well, he never, God put the same to, to hell pure. He had the same to hell condemned. See, because he took our sins and Christ died, not righteous, Christ died a sinner. See, Christ never sinned himself, but he took our sins on him. And his theologian teacher was old, the scapegoat of the Old Testament and so forth. He was both, now I know the Advent brethren here believe that the devil was a scapegoat, but no, no. Now Christ was both those. That's right. Both death and resurrection, you see. And he bore our sins away and then come forth in the resurrection. And so it was Christ being represented for the church. He took the church's place to sin and was cast into outer darkness into hell and rose again the third day. God raised him up for our justification. Of, and he did that on the basis of one scripture. And a minister who later backslid spoke the scripture. David said, I will not leave his soul in hell, neither will I suffer my holy one to see corruption. The only scripture I find in the Old Testament spoke of prophecy that God was going to do it. So he did not leave his soul in hell. And the reason Jesus knew that within three days he would raise up. Now some people said, well, he said it's in the grave three days. Why not on Friday afternoon raise up on Sunday morning? Just one day is part of another. See? But he never said just exactly three days. For he knew the time of children being the belly away was his time. And he knew that David said, I'll not leave my only one see corruption. And he knows that corruption sets in in 72 hours. And sometime within that three days of night, God was going to raise him up because he would not corrupt. See? So he died on Friday, rose up on Sunday morning because God promised that not one cell his flesh would corrupt. And he rose up again. Amen. Amen. Now, do you love him? Amen. With all our hearts, though. Now, let's turn over now for just a few moments. And if you'll give me your undivided attention, we'll just have a Sunday school lesson. And 
I would like to, if the Lord willing now, now remember, friends, on how many can hear you real good say amen? I am a both very poor teacher, but I'm just teaching it not to make a doctrine, friends. If you disagree upon what I teach, perfectly all right. That's all right. Maybe, you know, my dear son, friend, would be just like either. And I guess our noses would be your left there, I can't. Yes, our noses would look like, well, there's no two of in the world, and no two thumb the same. But just the same, I, I love my thumb, my nose, too. It is just a little different, you see. I, I, I'm glad you got yours, and I have mine. So we're, we're happy for the members of the body of Christ, aren't we? And now, in these teachings, it's just my scriptural observation of what a little... A thing, I don't say the Lord says this is the best of my knowledge. See, that could be wrong. Well, that's just my own knowledge, George, and so it wouldn't be very much. But you, I tell you what you do when I'm teaching. You do it like I do when I'm eating cherry pie. You know, I love cherry pie. Do you? Well, then, when you're eating cherry pie, and what if you run into a seed? Do you throw the pie away? Just throw the seed away. Keep on eating cherry pie. I may like fried chicken. Of course, all of you here, all you southerners like fried chicken, especially the clergy. So, when you're eating fried chicken and you're running to a bone, do you throw the chicken away? Throw the bone away. So that's what you do here. What you don't believe, you just kick off to one side. Keep on eating what you think is right. That's all I need to Now we have to the sincere side of it. While we are, I want you to turn with me to a country who has... And my subject for this afternoon, just for a short time, while we got to come back and preach tonight, is on the uh, position of a believer in Christ. How many Christians are going to raise up their hands? All believers raise up their hands everywhere. Well, I suppose that's wonderful. A hundred percent. Now, if you're a believer, I believe that I know what's the greatest curse that's on the church today is not knowing what they are. Now, with the help of God this afternoon, the Holy Scriptures, if He'll help us, let's try to place the believer positionally in Christ and show what His authority is in Christ. Then everybody out there will be praying for the sick, and we'll have a great meeting, I'm sure. That's our head now while we close off our, our introduction and now come to the sincere part of the evening. Our beloved Father, the first I want to express my love for thee. For thou so kind to save thee from a life of sin and to take the unlovely one into thy own bleeding bosom and by that transform me a life of sin unto a regenerated born again believers. We thank thee for that, Father, for thou hast did this for every one of us, and we're grateful to thee. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to the earth to die for sinners, that he might be made sin, to be a go-between, stand between the living and the dead, and bridge the way that the dead could be quickened by the hearing of the word and accepting of the scriptures and be born again a new creature. And now, Father, today, as maybe 
because I will drop down the day that I fix and will precisely place this congregation in such a way that by the reading of the word that every person in here that's sick and needy will not even need us to be prayed for but will be healed instantly. May it be a time where every sick person will see what Christ did for them and where they are today in Christ. God grant Break in through the barriers of unbelief and superstition. Tear down your wall, Lord. May the Holy Spirit come like a rushing wind. Going before us into the battle. Like David laying there that night, wondering how the battle would be, but he heard the sound of moving in the mulberry bush, knowing God was going on ahead. He was ready then for the battle, knowing God was going ahead. Grant to me that the moving of the mulberry bush will be again. The Holy Spirit will move each one into the position that Christ the Lord has placed them and may they follow closely behind him the rest of their life. Help me, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now while we're getting to hang, just turn to start with the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. Before we forget it, we always like to do this. One of the striking things yesterday I can remember of a lovely young Indian woman coming and just hanging over here to my hand. I believe it's a A pair of socks turned together and a hang and a necktie. Well, maybe she wanted me to hold them while I prayed for her. But then the lovely Holy Spirit broke through. There was a, a vision before me that told her it was for one of her loved ones who had a disease in his feet. And her husband was without God. And she wanted to place the neck on him and he would receive the Holy Spirit and her loved one would be healed for wearing these socks. My, isn't that marvelous? Simple thing. After they begin to see that the blind would see the deaf assuring the lame being healed, they run down into the hospital and brought out their little babies. Bring them up there and one little baby just a few hours old. About 24 hours old, something like that, around two days. Little little to the mother, she wrapped it here, she come anyhow. It was sick. Coming up through that cold wind sweeping off the top of those snow feet mountains. Did they get different to her? Christ was healing. She ordered her baby to get into it. Some couldn't even get to the hospital to get up to get the loved ones. So as we drove, started to drive out, they were standing there with little blankets and things that I might bless them that the Holy Spirit would go with the blankets to the hospital with their loved ones. Oh, wow. They put the white people in shame. great. Heavenly Father, with our hearts when we see the Spirit moving among the simple people. Just plain simple people. I pray, Father, that many of us teachers have tried to make it too complicated for the people. In our great day of learning that we are in now, everything, everyone's smart, educated, spent all their time studying books and so forth, getting scholarships and 
school and learning science, literature, and mathematics, left out the Holy Spirit. That's why we progress, progress on in the Easter still with the Spirit. God be merciful in the midst of all that you all out of people as well. Please. Here they are putting hands up here to be grateful. They love you, Lord. We pray that each one of these hands will be blessed, these scarves will be stocked. Just as it was with the Indian woman yesterday, may it be with thee. May your Holy Spirit, which is now here, see that each one's healed. Or we send it for that purpose in Jesus' name. When you hear me, friends, speaking of the Anglo-Saxon people and the, and the differences in the white race of people, I'm not leaving the church. That's the call out. In a few minutes, I'm going to show you what that is. What I'm speaking of that is the nation over, the overall picture, the American people, all well-fed, all aristocratically, with their doctors of the adventure, with all their PhDs, all that, they just look for that. You see what they got themselves into? They just let the Spirit of God out. And that's where they got it. They don't believe in supernatural. They're just a far advanced in science, education, and so forth. They just, they just explain God all the way. The blood's all gone. The days of miracles is all gone. Just explain it away. And there's nothing in the church now. They're just like, well, just like uh, uh, just congregating together. Brother, it's a place of born-again believers meet together in Christ. Now, let's start off. We don't have too long now. Won't you get back? See, I forgot to ask. I suppose they'll be giving out prayer cards each evening and maybe after this service this afternoon and also tonight. And then we'll try, if we get as many as we possibly can, catch them up if possible, whatever way the Holy Spirit leads. Now, in the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote this book from Rome about A.D. 64. That would be about 31 years after Pentecost while he was exiled there before being beheaded. Now I'll go back down to the place where this very epistle was written to the Ephesians. Sitting there in that place, traditional cell, where that apostle stood there, Chains, writing the letters to the churches and so forth. I love the whole mind of the Holy Spirit moved into this place. Just gives you a feeling that you just, just in the presence of God. There where they chopped his head off, dumping out the sewer. So God already knows, but today he's in far among things. He's the, the beloved apostle of the Gentile church, St. Paul. And now, this epistle, the letter to the Ephesians, was written to believers, not to the outside world, this is believers. That's what I call the second first I checked and did the groups of unbelievers and sinners, then I couldn't speak this here. But now I see that it is for the believers, and the believers are present. I thought it would be good if we let the believers see where he is. Now try hard, Christian, to understand that this day, that the message is this, placing the believer in his positionally 
shout, you can run, you can speak in tongues, you can jump up and down, you can sing songs, you can preach the gospel, but until you work in harmony with the Holy Ghost, you'll make yourself worse to get nowhere. Right? Uh, you believe that? Amen. That's right. But now look, that water will water this crop. If you'll work with the correct laws of gravitation, it'll pull that water right around that and water that crop. If you'll work according to the laws of gravitation, that water runs. But you just can't make it jump over there. Now the Holy Ghost will heal every person in here if you'll work accordingly to the planned will of the Holy Spirit. There's enough Christians in this city today, rest Christians in this village today, that told the heavens over Phoenix. Did you know that? But you've got to work according to the, the will of the Spirit. Now that's what we're trying to do today is to place the believer in his right position so he can see where he's at. How you were just running anyway. You're just beating the air. You get what I mean? Now in Ephesians, let's hear Paul speaking. Now if you read, everyone give you will, and try to be just as reverent as you can as we're speaking the word. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, the first introduction shows how he is apostle. Paul, an apostle of God, by apostle by the will of God. And one place he said he wasn't called a man, neither was he saying of man. But God said, now the first thing he was an apostle, the word apostle means a missionary or one sent. Missionary means one sent, and apostle means one sent, both the same word. Now, man can send a missionary, or God can send a missionary. Man can send an apostle, the Episcopalians, the men who call themselves the apostles of the church and so forth, they're apostles of the church, they lay hands upon them, they send them out, then God can send an apostle. One sent. So, no bishop laid hands upon Paul. God laid his hands upon Paul. Knocked him down off his heart. And he rolled in the dust there as it was, getting up and Christ speaking to him. Paul was sent of God, not of man. His calling was divine. So, if his calling was divine, written in the scriptures, Vindicated by his ministry, I believe what Paul says in the scripture is the truth. Paul said to me, I think in Galatians 1 said his gospel was assured that even if an angel from heaven come and taught any other gospel, let him get cursed. Notice, Paul now, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, now he's presenting it to them which are at Ephesus. To the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now watch, he designated this letter that first he was an apostle by the will of God. God called him to be an apostle. And he said, to those that are in Ephesus in Christ Jesus. Now not just the whole, today the American version of it is sent to a nation, to a place, to a city, or to a church. Paul never only sent it to the church, he sent it to those that were in Christ Jesus. That's what the letter is for. Not for the outsider, but to those in Christ. Now, the first thing we want to know, if that epistle then would be a 
for today, let's find out how you get in Christ Jesus. Now, there's so many different ways they claim to Christ Jesus. They say you join the church. Some say you believe. And some does one thing and another. Some take the baptism. Some take the by fellowship. But 1 Corinthians 12 says, by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, which is the body of Christ, the body of the believers. By what? Not by one shake of hands, not the one post baptism, not by one meeting, but by one spirit. Great spirit, holy spirit, by one spirit. We're all baptized into one body, which is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it. Bruised, wounded, tore, opened up his eyes with an own spirit in order that by the Holy Spirit we can be baptized into his body, partakers of his divine nature. You get it? Then you become a partaker, as you're coming into his body, a partaker of his divine nature. Christ's nature in you. How can you, Jesus, see the life? That life, proper life, everything else with the divine nature of Christ in you. It's impossible.
Brother Branham, our old man that gets, oh, he, he does this. Don't never look at a man but what he can do in the sign of works. That's what he's done. He might heal or sick. He might have gifts of prophecy. He might understand all the knowledge. Paul says, though I speak with tongues as men and angels, though I understand all the things of God, I'll get to the school. I've got a PhD. Or Whatever it might be, I understand all the mysteries of God, and I have faith to move mountains and have my chariot, I become that. <laughs> though I spoke with tongues, both of them angels, though I'm shouting and dancing in the spirit, though I've done all these things, have knowledge the move, of understand the mysteries of God, though I have prophecy and have prophesied. Knowing what's truth and seeing a danger line and don't warn 
together on behalf of all shepherds and not the real shepherds. Don't go along demonstrations. Love, joy, ease, long suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience. Now we're going back to the beginning. That's where we start. Now, if you just only went, now you say, Brother Rand, you're condemning the gifts of the Spirit. No, don't get that like you did Adam. I am not condemning the gifts of the Spirit. They belong into the church. But you're going to get your gifts in the sin of the giver. Get back first. Now, I know that's down the whole side of that seat called that field. But it's the truth. Just try to bear a little while. Right. You've got to come back to the thing, not intellectually now, but in your heart. Does the peace of God rest in your heart? Maybe you love your enemies and you love yourself. Why even Moses for the people that was rebelling against him, threw himself away and said, God, take my name out of Jesus so loved the enemy that he gave his life for the enemy. To save those who were unkind to and break the cross, Father, forgive them, or they don't even know what they're doing. They couldn't understand. His preaching was misunderstood. His life was misunderstood. His speech was misunderstood. They didn't understand him. Now, he said to those that are in Christ, how do we get into Christ? By Holy Spirit baptism. God, by grace, through faith, according to the election, gives you the Holy Spirit. Is it? Now, not because you say, well, Brother Brown, uh, I, uh, I did this and I did that. That don't mean a thing. See, first you've got to have the experience. Here you are to be born again of the tree being planted. Then the tree will bring forth its own root. Say you're here now, you're a great farmer, you're on these citrus farms. Ranch is what you call them here. Alright, did you know a little orange tree about that big, about a half inch high, has every orange in it that it will ever have? Is that right? You take that little orange tree and you plant And then the only thing you have to do is water and the little orange tree has to drink the water. Now, the, the fruit is not in the water. The fruit is not in the ground. The fruit is in the tree. And the only thing the tree does is first be planted. And then it has to drink. And it has to drink more than its potion. If your dam ever gives away, this will be a ghost town in a few weeks. You've got to have water. And that's what's the matter with our vineyards today in the church speaking. We got all our vineyards planted without enough water coming in. <laughs> and if you plant, and this little tree begins to draw, it just straight so they can't drink the water, they drink a little bit more than that, and then it pushes out. Then it pushes out lamb. Then it pushes out leaves. Then it pushes out oranges. Bushels after bushels and hundreds of bushels comes out of that tree. And a man. When he comes to Christ, it isn't first going to get the oranges. You get the tree. And the tree is planted in 
between us and him. Who don't choose? God did. You did. I did. God did. You haven't chose me, but I have chose you, said Jesus. Look, our morning is he has chosen us in him. How? Chosen us, the elect, now the one that made Christ Jesus. He chose us in him. Where? Yesterday? The day before? Listen to the scripture. Before the foundation of the world. I'm surely not reading that long. That's why every church can't change the verses. God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world was ever laid. Then if God did that, what's your shirt off? If God knew way back before the foundation of the world and he chose you in Christ Jesus and you come and accepted the call, what was your about? Or if I said you could be healed, can Sure. your brothers know what you're saying. Sure, God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's what the scripture says. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In what? In love. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. All that without blame, without blame. Not one spot on the church call. Now, how are we ever going to get that way? We can't do it. You're human. And you're subject to all kinds of mistakes. Now we're coming down to the perfection of it. Let's turn over here to Hebrews just a minute. Over it's will say, Hebrews see. What a thing. Let's begin at the, the ninth verse of the ninth chapter and the twenty-first verse. Listen to Paul speaking. Verse over it. Let's take the 10th chapter just a moment for a verse here. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never make with those sacrifices that offered year by year continually make the come around you perfect. Now the subject is perfection. Now how can mortal man ever become perfection and yet God says in his word that he chose us to be holy and perfected before the foundation of the world. How you going to do that? And Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Is that right? Now, if God before the world ordained that we should be holy and without blame and perfect in the sight of God and we struggling and murmuring it. Don't you think God's seen all these things? And he foreknew it and predestined, ordained us to be so, elected us before the world was ever born. Now, here's how he did it. In the ninth chapter, 21st verse. But Christ become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not made of this building neither by the blood of goats calves uh, but by his own blood he 
times for 50 times. Not with casting out evil spirits. Not with preaching the gospel. But with allowing them to be sacrificed. The Lord Jesus. He is brought into fellowship forever. Those that are sanctified. God, your time's past. Under a shadow of justified believer, by faith, but could not take away the guilt of, of desire, not desire, but the guilt of sin. The guilt was there. There was nothing for to overcome by. But now, the Holy Spirit that come out of the body of Christ, out of the animals, out of the body of Christ, the Son of God, that Holy Spirit come back on the church, and at one time, by one all. By one time, perfected forever those that come to him and been received by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 34 for the sake of time. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by your backbiting, by your carrying on indifference, negligence, by your unbelief. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed to the day of your redemption. Oh, by grace, are you saved? That to faith, not the works of any man, bread, or I'm a Baptist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal. No man can bread. No man never saw God, God saw the man. Now, Paul speaking here that God for 
Abraham and told Abraham about anything at all. Abraham, God gave Abraham the covenant without any conditions on God to it all. He said, Abraham, God, I will if you will. He said, Abraham, I have. I've already done it. If he meets you in that position, would you believe him? Sure you will. Let me tell you, every man and woman in the earth with the Holy Spirit in their heart has met God the same way Abraham did. God called Abraham without any disillusion. And he gave Abraham the covenant and Abraham's seed also, which is Christ, which you have in your heart today with the shedding of the blood of Calvary bringing you into fellowship. You are the seed of Abraham with the Holy Spirit. God eventually called you. Who was you? A little sinner out here. No stooped up here and passed by. A good Holy Ghost seed that much the Holy Lord. That's who you are. Are you so aristocratic in your blue Cadillac, run down the street like that, and thought you was too good to eat with the rest of the people or something? Thought you were just a little bit better than somebody else, all alienated from God? Wrong to some of these big churches and hide behind churches where you're trying to hide your sins? And God, by sovereign election, called you into this wonderful fellowship. You lost all your pride, everything. You lost all your dances and big parties and come lovely into the Lord Jesus. Oh, how God predestinated you before the foundation of the world to be a fellow citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, just a moment, about five more minutes, if you'll be real ever, I want to present something to the full gospel church. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in the fourth verse of Ephesians 1. Having predestinated our other words, us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, our party, to the pleasure of his good will. Now, let's take the laws of the Old Testament for a shadow. And will you bear with me just a moment before closing? Now, on the law of the order of the law of the Old Testament, which was a type of this today, the new. God, in a family, a man, when a child was born in a family, as soon as the boy was born, he was the son of that family. The father loved him, of course. And then, if you get over Galatians and so forth, you read word, adoption, and so forth, replacing the sons. Then the father, having much work to do over the whole kingdom, he placed a tutor or a teacher over the son. And this tutor brought word to the father all the time how the child was progressing. A teacher. Anyone knows that was the Old Testament rule? A tutor. Paul was speaking about the law, being just a tutor to bring us to Christ. Our educator. Now as the tutor began to watch the boy grow, he was a son, but yet the father didn't know what to do with him or what he would be when he grew up. Now to my full opinion, friend, listen real close now, and then pray for me if I'm wrong. What happened? When the full gospel church began way hundred years ago, they become sons of God when they receive the Holy Spirit. That's right. They become sons. 
and the Holy Spirit in the tutor to raise them in the admiration of God. Now, as the tutor has been watching the children, as the church has been progressing, coming up, it's in the age of birth, you say born again. That's right. Correct. You're just as much son as you'll ever be when you're born again. But the tutor breaking word to the father. Then if the father, the tutor comes to the father, and the boy becomes about an age, just about where the church ought to be now. Coming of age, rising up, season, harvest time. When the boy becomes of age, the tutor comes to the father, and he be the boy being a son already. But yet, if he wasn't a worthy son, the father could not adopt him or place him in his own family. He couldn't do it. Because the boy would run through what he had. He's a regular child. He didn't have the ability to carry on with his father's work. So the father just let him go on as a son. He was always his son. But if he was a fine boy, he was about his father's business. And the tutor brought word to the father saying that the son is fine. He's eligible. He's all right. Then the father took the son out into a public place as a public testimony. And he put a special robe on and set him up before the people. And the father, by doing this, gives the son the authority over his kingdom, over his business, and so forth. The son had a right to go out and do certain things in the kingdom with the same kind of authority that his father had. Now, the church being formed again of the Spirit, back that many years ago, but she broke off in one group called the General Council, broke off in a group of assemblies of God, broke off in a group called the Oneness, the Twoness, the Threeness, the Church of God, all the mercy ever coming into them. How can God trust you with anything? They're still children, but they're wondering why the real genuine gifts are not in, and they the devil put the power out there to be careful. Shame yourself back! Get no obedience. Not believe you listen. Running after everything. Remember that's all for strong. But it's as good as the truth. Now, bring yourself back to God. Come back to God. Good old-fashioned loving petition that the middle falls of the petition broke down. The siblings has got the Holy Ghost. The oneness has got the Holy Ghost. The two-ness, the three-ness, the church of God, all they got the Holy Ghost. Quick button. Come back in a brotherhood. We are churches together for all Come together as God's children. And if you can't love one another, 
churches, people impersonating things in the very top of The church is hungry for it, but you can't get together. Get yourself together to be in Christ Jesus and call you the real genuine thing. God did it by his own son. After he took Peter, James, and John to hold on to his situation, he adopted the own son. God overshadowed him, and the Bible said, now the apostle said, see him in a hard day roll. But on Mount Transfiguration, when the Holy Ghost come down before three witnesses, about the two three witnesses that ever were they established, he took Peter, James, and John, both both faith and charity, and took them up on the mountain, these three elders, and there God overshadowed his own son of our Jesus, the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, He is part of the son. God of all the sons of both the adoption. That this is my beloved son. Here he is. Every law that the Old Testament requires. Father, somehow. Get over our hearts and may not be able to 